If you think back a few weeks to the federal election campaign, we had a number of guests come on and say, hey, you know what? None of these political parties are really talking about fiscal restraint, fiscal responsibility. We've got a trillion dollar debt out there and nobody's talking about how we're going to pay it back. You know, the, the plan, if we can call it a plan, was, uh, well, we're going to increase tax, taxes on the wealthy and we're going to crack down on uh, tax evasion. That's how we're going to make up these shortfalls with all the pandemic spending. Well, there's a lot of people that have come out lately and said, yeah, that's probably not going to work. It's going to take a little bit more than that. So we're going to have that um, discussion here uh, with um, Don Drummond from the Stafford Dunning Fellow at and adjunct, adjunct professor at the School of Policy Studies at Queen's University. Um, Don, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. You're very welcome. So let's just put this in perspective here, what we're talking about. Um, you know, how much debt are we talking when it comes to Canada? And how do we sort of stack up against, you know, similar countries, other G7 countries? Are we that much worse off? Well, I had a debate where we go for the good news or the bad news first. I'll go <laughs> with the good news. The good news is our debt burden is still relatively low compared to other countries. Uh, having been responsible for fiscal policy in the 1990. 1990- 1990s, when we had uh, a semi-crisis, we used to be very thankful that Italy was a member of the G7, because otherwise Canada would be at the far right of every fiscal chart. But Canada, for quite a long time, has been the good side of the chart, at a lower debt burden, way lower than the United States, way lower than uh, the Japan, for example. Uh, so that's the good side of it. Uh, the bad side of it is our debt burden has almost doubled uh, in the last two years. So it, it's probably most helpful to look at it in proportion to the size of the economy. It's the same thing as your household debt. Right, yeah. uh, if you have double the income of your neighbor, you can also support a, a higher amount of debt and vice versa. You have half the income. And we were running around 30% of our gross domestic product, and we've jumped up to about 50%. So that's a very worrying trend. And, and I guess adding on to that, as you indicated in the introduction, uh, nobody has a plan to get that down anytime soon. They all the plans of all the political parties just had it going down ever so gradually over the long term. And and that's really reflecting a group think that has swung across the entire world. Right, and yeah. Virtually every sector and every country in the world is beyond their eyeballs in debt. And we've got hooked on this now 20 years of having lower interest rates, interest rates below the rate of growth. And if that always continues to be the case, then life will be fine. But the big question is, will that always been the case? It has not been the case over long periods in history. So does history repeat, or are we in a new era where interest rates are always going to stay super low? And that's basically what people are betting on. Uh, like you say, I mean, when we take a look, governments around the world, uh, because of this pandemic, have brought on massive amounts of debt. But I think the point that you're making is, Canada has brought on more debt than some of the other countries. We've always been in a good position, but that good position we've enjoyed has been eroded a little bit over the past couple of years, right? Yeah, certainly we've had one of the more. Not, not There's other people in our company, but we've had one of the more... Uh, one of the larger responses to COVID, um, e- even relative to how we were hit health-wise, we had the government acted very quickly and mm-hmm. very fulsomely on things like the emergency relief benefit and the wage subsidy and assistance to, to businesses, and many of those programs are still in effect, although there's thought right now of phasing down some of them, and of course the economy got got hit, so revenues by themselves went, went down, uh, although not as much as, as had been anticipated. But, you know, we've seen these rises in debt before, and if we were to bring it back, that would be a necessary cost of dealing with the pandemic. But the question is uh, how much effort should be applied to getting them down. As you said, there's 
any little tax tweets that are going to come are not going to make much of a dent in it. And if we rely upon economic growth with the aging of the population and our fairly modest rate of productivity growth, that's not going to bring it down anytime soon. Uh, the CEO Howey did a report this summer which suggested under what we thought were reasonable interest rates and economic growth assumptions that the debt burden actually would continue to rise right through 2055. Um, the government in its budget produced a long-term chart that shows it would go down somewhat, and that is possible, but all we did is just slightly raise the interest rate assumption and slightly lower the growth rate assumption, and it's going up. That, then we got a problem with yeah. that's the kind of scenario we're looking at. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, we... You know, in terms of wrestling it, you know, through spending cuts or increased taxes, there's not a lot being talked about in those areas. So we really are banking on, you know, things, interest rates staying low. But as that margin gets smaller, debt to GDP, um, what, what's the impact of that? How does that affect the way governments operate? If, if, if interest rates stay really low, that will be all fine. But yeah. if they go up, and I'm not talking about going up to where they were prior to 20 years ago, just going up fairly modestly, then more and more of the revenues that we Canadians send to Ottawa will get spent to paying interest on the public debt. And obviously, we want the vast bulk of that to go for health care and education and the like. Uh, our darkest days in the 1990s, 34 cents of every revenue dollar went to pay interest on the public debt. You might as well just put that in the fireplace and light a fuse to it. That's just not useful way. That's paying for things you've already consumed. Mm-hmm. And that number is very low right now, even despite the high debt, because, again, the interest rates are very low. But that would be the main danger. And if you got into that kind of difficulty or you get downgrades in credit rating, you have difficulty borrowing money, then you get back into that semi-crisis, and then you have to have a knee-jerk reaction that's extremely disruptive. But it's not even, as first base, is not even discussing whether we should have spending restrained. There are still plans to add more spending. We're, we're still going well, the other the direction. Yeah, the shovels are out and working full-time. You know, the next big-ticket item will, would be the party ran, and the NDP also ran on a pharmaceutical, national pharmaceutical plan. And that's going to be a, a major expense. Uh, there's all kinds of issues within that. You would think in an era of fiscal discipline that would be debated that there aren't being debated. Would there be co-payments or is it going to be 100% publicly funded? We have between 8 and 13% of Canadians who cannot financially afford their pharmaceuticals. We could fill those gaps at a lower cost. We don't necessarily need to replace the whole thing. I'm not saying which way should we go, but you would think you would have that kind of debate. But that debate doesn't happen because there is this global sentiment at the moment that spending and borrowing is free. So why not just add more? So I, I, addressing that attitude is probably the first step even before we get the thoughts of spending restraint. You know, in terms of the global positioning, because I, I was really surprised, you know, having covered elections for a few decades in this country, there's always somebody talking about balancing the budget. There's always somebody talking about some form of fiscal restraint. And there was nobody in this last election. Is You're saying that's universal? That's a global perspective simply yeah, because there, of interest there rates? there is no constituency virtually anywhere in the world for that right now. And I hate to say it, but I don't think a political party would have garnered votes by taking that attitude. And if they were being honest about it. You know, for example, let's put the counterpoint. I know I'm speaking in Alberta, but the perfect counterpoint to look at is the Ontario budget. Because they waved around their hands and said by 2030 their debt burden would come down, but they're assuming program spending would only grow at 2% a year. So that that's just barely covering inflation. That's not covering even population growth. 
that would have very severe consequences, but they weren't honest about those consequences. They just said, look, that's not, that's not a hard thing to do. We'll bring this down. We'll just have a little bit of spending constraint. Uh, sorry, you know, healthcare is probably going to be growing at 5 or 6%, and you're providing 2%. You're not telling people there's going to be consequences of that. And it's all people don't want to hear that, and that's not the attitude right now. I mean, as you mentioned, governments around the world are debt, but households as well. Mm-hmm. So we have a record high household debt burden, and just look at uh, the mortgages, uh, how much mortgages have gone up in the last year. Uh, pe- maybe people are worried about it, but they're doing it nonetheless. So everybody in every sector is stoked up on this debt, and it will have an unhappy ending uh, if and when interest rates rise uh, to any degree. So, Don, last one here, and I think you touched on it earlier, but I want to talk about it a bit more. Um, you know, if you're looking down the road, and we're banking on the interest rates staying low, I mean, that, that's sort of the key lever here. But, I mean, we're seeing inflation go through the roof. We're seeing energy costs go through the roof. We're seeing, um, you know, like you say, increased spending. We know that's on the way with our minority parliament. Um, all indicators seem to be things are getting more expensive, but we're just sort of whistling along saying uh, everything's fine it'll pay for itself i mean it seems like a recipe for disaster well i guess two points and the first one is the bank of canada is making a, a really big bet they're betting that the rise in inflation is temporary part of it's just a mathematical base effect a lot of prices gasoline and accommodation are two examples fell a lot a year and as they go back to a more normal level that gives you a higher rate of increase and that will work itself out over time and secondly we're getting a lot of supplies um Link uh, disruptions around the world. You know, I just the other day I was at a store that has an entire rack of batteries, and about five of the hundred spots have batteries, and ninety-five <laughs> of them were empty. But that you find that all the time, right? Yeah, for sure. I everywhere. wanted to buy. I wanted to buy a tool that requires a battery, and the tools in stock, but the batteries in stock. <laughs> not quite sure what I'm supposed to do with that, but we're seeing that all the time, and that's going to cause inflation. But that will sort out as production comes back whether it does or not, but we've had a supply-side shock to the economy, so we're going to hit inflation pressure earlier than we did. But the second, my final point was, it's not a question of guessing where other interests are. We need interest rates to go up. Anybody who's a saver gets that. <laughs> there is just no return in saving sure. money. Yeah. And we have too much of an incentive to people to borrow, and that's causing financial risk. We're just ending up with too much debt. I, I'm not looking for interest rates to go back to double digit. But, but live through that. That's not pleasant, but we need interest rates that at least give people the reasonable rate of return on their savings. They work hard to do that and you're getting nothing right now yeah exactly yeah all right okay well we'll see how don great insight we'll see where we go from here and uh, maybe we'll have to check in and, and see how it plays out in the next month or so thanks very much don okay you're welcome bye that is don drummond who is the stoffer dunning fellow and adjunct professor at the school of policy studies at queen's university and